Hi, my name's Kim Cole, and I'm your host of Real 510. Our podcast is dedicated to the stories of real buyers and real sellers in the East Bay residential housing environment in Northern California. Finding a solid investment to grow one half to several million dollars is a strategic and calculative exercise of wisdom and intuition. Now mix in the emotional meaning of home, your safety, your shelter, your memories. The task is daunting. The influences are great and there's no proven instruction manual. Join us as we explore the process, the challenges, and the triumphs of those who have successfully navigated the storm. Welcome to Real 510. We are here today uh, to talk about 1031 exchanges. I have two awesome guests um, that I'd like to introduce to you real quickly. One of them is um, a longtime Oakland resident, real estate investor, um, very involved community member. You serve on the local um, Jack London Business District Board um, and have just many accolades towards serving on many community boards. Basically, Paul works for free is what we're saying here, <laughs> um, along with a very... Um, a very time-consuming uh, professional uh, obligation position. And um, Paul Tyson and his partner, Stephen, have invested in real estate uh, personally for their own residents as well as um, as investment properties. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Why Ming Ping is with Asset Exchange Management and you are the business development director. Anyway, Wai Ming has worked with our organization for some time, um, as well as um, Leonard Spato, who started the organization. And I worked with him about 13 years ago, 14 years ago, and really have been working with him and or his colleagues ever since um, in terms of doing 1031 exchanges. I am, uh, I'm, this is a very exciting topic to me because I think it is one very special opportunity that we have to build wealth in California, in the United States. And um, so many people, it, it remains a mystery to them. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. Um, Wai Ming, tell us a little bit about you and uh, what you do. Well, I'm the business development director for Asset Exchange Company, and I've been with the companies for well, roughly five years now. Um, kind of got into it sort of right out of college-ish. Um, and then, you know, what, what I typically do is on a day-to-day -day basis, I walk clients through the process of the 1031 exchange. I help evaluate their situation, let them know what's going to work, what's not going to work. Um, if I'm not doing that, I'm probably out somewhere giving a workshop or doing a presentation on the topic. And how did you get involved in 1031 exchanges? Um, it, it was sort of the first job kind of out of college. Um, I, I, I studied business uh, management and studied law, but didn't really think I was going to get into real estate. <laughs> my, uh, my family's got a background in real estate and, um, you know, growing up in it, uh, thought real estate's not for me. Lo and behold, here I am. <laughs> blink, blink, right? 
yeah. all those things that we say we aren't going to do and we end up doing is kind of funny. Um, but you definitely are on the different a different side of real estate that a lot of people don't really think about, um, and that's protecting assets as you build wealth. Um, and uh, and Paul, we could talk about so many different cool things with you, but um, because we're on ten thirty one exchanges here, um, in your exposure with ten thirty one exchanges, just kind of briefly, which is fairly recently, right? Yeah, it's interesting because it all kind of started around me thinking about an investment property for a few years in a particular area. Um, and then things seemed like maybe the timing was right for me and trying to figure out what the vehicle, what the impact was on a 1031 uh, exchange. Well, at the time, I didn't know what a 1031 exchange was. Uh, a friend of mine claims he told me about 1031, but it just kind of glossed over me at the time. So, um, I'm a, so uh, when I really started learning more about it, actually, it was uh, when I met up with Kim Cole, uh, Kim, oh. yourself. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was more around the idea of a reverse exchange because... Um, in my particular case, we had actually identified a property to purchase and uh, weren't quite ready to sell the one that we had. So, um, and then once I learned about it, then I basically just talked to professionals uh, about it to learn. And that's sort of how I came about on understanding the 1031 in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, it's awesome you picked up the phone, yes. you know? Rather than like, I'm going to go to school by myself on this and just start reading <laughs> blogs and yeah. listening to podcasts. Talk to people you and, trust, you know, <laughs> friends, colleagues, or associates that you have uh, experience with. So, what what are the top reasons that people decide to go with a 1031 exchange? Oh, top reasons: um, cash flow. Uh, I think that's that's probably the biggest reason mm -hmm. because you know if. Even if you have a property that's worth a lot of money, if you have a good cash flow, you're probably not going to sell. Right? Um, a lot of my clients have owned the property for a longer period of time, and you know there are certain sorry uh, there are certain you know cities with rent control where you're probably not getting the, the, the kind of income uh, that you would be expecting from a more high value property. Right, um, the Bay Area. What do we kind of see? Um, you, know, you know, as a real estate agent, you probably yep. know better than me. But we we probably see two, maybe three percent return cap rates on on properties, and um, it, it, yeah. So a ten thirty one exchange just allows you to go anywhere in the United States, um, whether or not you want to stay in California or whether or not you want to go out of state. And we've seen a lot of clients with real good successes um, in using a 1031 exchange where, you know, they, they were barely cutting it or they, they weren't comfortable with the passive income they were getting. So in other words, almost treating it like you would a, a stock investment or a bank account, a CD, what have you. You're watching the performance going, okay this isn't performing the way that I really want it to perform. And I see some opportunity of something that might perform better. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, that's basically, so yeah. 
you know, taking your your stock um, example, what if you know the stock became became a little more stagnant,、mm-hmm. but you see other opportunities.、Um, most people are a little afraid if you kind of split off into these opportunities. They are obviously costs, and in the ten thirty one exchange world, that's in paying taxes. But the ten thirty one exchange is basically going to say. You can diversify if you want to, because these are going to be better opportunities for you,、right. and you don't have to pay your taxes yet. You're going to defer your taxes, so it, it kind of puts a lot of investors in much better situations than they they were. And again, to compare that with an investment in stocks or such, okay, you are going to have a certain amount of money that you're going to need to pay in order to exchange or trade your stock.、Mm-hmm. But relatively, if you're not paying the capital gains on that, then it just becomes it becomes a much better investment and a much better position that you're in. Yeah, absolutely. So the way I typically think of it, and the way I typically explain it to clients is, think of it this way: if you're going to sell this property to try and get into better opportunities、yep. in the future, you're going to need to pay Uncle Sam money. But a 1031 exchange basically allows you to say, "Hey, Uncle Sam, let me give you an IOU instead. I'll pay you in the future, but at least in the meantime, that money's working for me." So once it's done working for me, and if I ever decide to sell in the future, then I'll pay Uncle Sam. Yeah. yeah. No, this is this is such a good thing.、Um, when you're evaluating that, when Paul was evaluating that, there's certain things that really you needed all these numbers to come up with the right equation to. To run the formula of does this make sense, right? And what are all of those? I mean, obviously, it's the rent that you were getting versus the mortgage payment you were paying. It was where you saw the asset going. What about、um, what about your?、Uh, oh, help me out, Wei Ming. What do you call it? The、um, the like the deferred maintenance that you have, Paul. Was that? Did you look at all that kind of stuff? Is that part of the formula? Yeah,、um, not so much for us, really. I think our、uh, investment strategy was a little, probably a little different than maybe some people who are doing a ten thirty one. We're just a small investor for a single property. Yeah. And our properties weren't really that old. We just had a significant capital gain to exposure if we were to sort of move the investment. Yeah. Uh, which is one of the main reasons, of course.、Um, I think probably for us, one of the sort of reasonings around some of this was to move. As we all know, the cost of living and, and real estate in the Bay Area is fairly high, and we wanted to move that investment into a lower cost area. So that was actually、uh, for us one of our incentives for doing the 1031 and basically getting a little more bang for the buck, so to speak. Okay.、Um, And also protecting that investment and keeping it going,、um, and with the growth opportunity in the future for for the、uh, replacement property. Okay, yeah, that、uh, makes but, sense. But we definitely looked at all the numbers.、Uh, but the big one is, of course, the deferring Uncle Sam's IOU down the road.、Um, and investing in something that might be where you want to be in the future. Yeah. Like maybe I know that. 
once my kids are grown and life changes that I'm going to be in Wyoming. That's kind of my place. So I want my investment to be in Wyoming. So what are some of the hidden benefits in 1031 exchange? There's got to be some hidden ones, right? (laughs) Hidden benefits. Um, Well, I think the the one that typically comes to mind is um, what happens to your assets after you pass away. Um, it, it, just like any for any real estate there's always a step up in basis but um, we can sort of go, go back to that IOU to Uncle Sam yeah. when the exchanger passes away um, that IOU is gone so whoever ends up inheriting your assets your, your real estate not only do you get a step up in basis but all the deferred taxes you have deferred in your life passes away with you so which means let's say you know I if I buy a property for half a million dollars today and you know 80 years in the future when I pass away well that property could be worth five six million dollars it's gone up uh, to fair market value for my kid he he or she gets it at five six million sells it at five six million well there's no uh, there's no capital gains they got it at that value, they're selling at that value, they don't pay anything. The deferred taxes I have deferred from you know doing 1031 exchanges for the last 80 years, well, that's gone with me. Yeah, no, that's that's great. So you're not passing that debt onto your kids, which is good. Yeah, they have the asset. Yeah, no. Now, t- let's talk about depreciation too, because I think that's a huge reason to do a 1031 exchange. There are many clients that we work with that have had apartment buildings, like whole apartment buildings that they have had for years and years. And does it make sense to hold on to that apartment building, you know, for another 20 years or 10 years or what have you? Or does it make sense to exchange that just because the depreciation's gone? Correct? Yeah. So... You know, in in a little more of a simpler number to work with, um, residential properties you can uh, depreciate for 27 and a half years, commercial for 39. And let's say you know you bought your property for 27 half thousand dollars, that roughly translates to a thousand dollars right off against your income every year. But what if that property is now worth you know 270 thousand? Well, you're not multiplying how much you can depreciate you're still taking your thousand dollars because that's based on what you bought your property originally for but since your property gone up so much in value maybe it's time to sell it maybe even leverage that two hundred seventy five thousand dollars i don't know buy property twice as much or buy twice as many properties it's up to the client yeah but any additional value, any additional equity that they purchase in real estate, well, that's now depreciable. So if they bought another $275,000 worth of real estate just by leveraging their property, well, that translates to a $10,000 additional depreciation. So what you would have taken in one year, now you can... uh, you can well you can take in one year now what you would have taken you 10 years to take the same depreciation that's so, huge yeah absolutely and it, it covers 
um, some of the client's income, so they're not paying as much taxes in the meantime. So, in other words, you don't have to wait until a property is fully depreciated to get the gain of moving your depreciation write-off. Absolutely, and yeah. my the, what what I was um, referring to was actually a straight line depreciation. There's accelerated uh, depreciation you can take where you take way more in the beginning and then a lot less later. Uh, okay. So if you have taken a huge chunk in the beginning, well, in the majority of it's gone. Might as well exchange it a little earlier. Absolutely. I mean, I just think that the average person has no idea that these opportunities are available and that they really could be making a lot more money with their money. Um, really, I mean, in gaining wealth, it's, it's, uh, it's, that's still, you know, a really wonderful opportunity that we have as Americans um, is to gain wealth with real estate. And that's, uh, that's powerful. That's really powerful. Um, okay, Paul, I, I recall when, um, when before, during, and I don't know so much as after, so I'm going to be interested to hear what your thoughts are on this. Just concerns that you had. I mean, timing is crucial, right? Is that, I mean, that's true, right? Timing is crucial with these 1031 exchanges. And there's probably other factors too. Well, I think you're hitting the nail there. Um, yeah, I mean, our biggest concern was closing within the time frame. Um, and uh, whether the you know the the proper paperwork is done, the right information is is communicated. You know, there's a lot of different parties because there's two transactions in a 1031. There's you know, uh, on uh, I guess sometimes they call it phase one and phase two. Is that correct? Um, so in in phase one, you know, making sure that you know the the property you're buying and selling that both the seller and the buyer all are aware that they cooperate in doing the 1031 exchange. So, you know, and so phase one is the selling part. Is that I right? I guess it depends if you're doing a forward or a reverse exchange, but okay. it's basically the first the first property, property that closes. Okay, yeah. so that's. Yeah. So, um, timing, yes. And then just feeling confident in the people who are doing the work. Cause, you know, like any closing, you know, there's all kinds of people working behind the scenes that are, you know, documenting everything and yeah. looking everything up and crossing the dot, dot, uh, crossing the T's and dotting the I's. Um, but so those are some of the, the important things uh, that we were concerned about during the process. But. And the players in that were obviously yourselves, uh-huh. um, a, a the t- real estate agents, right? Because they're writing the contract. you got to make sure it's written properly. Right. It's mm-hmm. in the right names. It's... Um, You've got the right and uh, title and escrow companies, right? Also have to be aware if there is a loan involved. They also have to be aware. A lot of different people and the devil's in the details. Yes. And you're such a good detailed person. Yes, and you you, you know you trust. Pe- it's easy to trust people, but sometimes you know you're not sure. So you want to make sure. And uh, I think there was one point where somebody. Even though they had all the information, I think they seem, you know, they seem to have forgotten 
So then they had to go back, you know, when a Tyler escrow company is working on something, mm -hmm. they're working on so many pieces of information for a closing, yeah. uh, you know, doing all the research and there's so many different parties working on it that you don't really know uh, who's doing what. And so it's easy to, to think that, you know, something gets overlooked. So sometimes I was constantly reminding, you know, about the details because it is the details. It's the details. It's funny. I, um, the analogy in, in my little brain about this is when I opened this business, I, you know, this was the first time that I was a sole business owner and it really, for me, wasn't about working with the city of Oakland to make sure that my business was, you know, um, properly acknowledged and I was compliant with commercial codes and that sort of thing. It wasn't um, with uh, HR requirements and hiring employees and doing the right thing there. It wasn't with um, my concern of being successful in my profession real estate it was taxes that were my biggest freak out i just i mean because it's a whole different way of reporting taxes and um you know just a whole set of rules and the devil's in the details yeah unfortunately my partner's an accountant so that <sighs> really helps he's very detail oriented and uh so he's keeping a handle on those details, and I was generally the communicator of those details. So uh, we worked well together on, on that aspect, but I totally get it. And for me, this is the first time I did a 1031 exchange, you know, learning it. I mean, it's not necessarily that complicated, but if it's your first time, you know, everything's the first time, like getting on a bike, I guess, you know, and then once you've done it, you can do it again. But uh, for the first time, it was, you know, that was sort of the concern. And initially, we were looking at the idea of a reverse exchange, which, again, is another layer of uh, complication in a way. Mm -hmm. um, but for us, it was interesting that we ended up, uh, a lot of people, when they do a 1031 exchange, they sell a property and then they have a limited amount of time to fulfill the obligation to find the replacement property. Right. Um, but because we found a property first and then we, it was a property that wasn't going to close for a long time because it was under construction, it gave us the luxury of being able to do a forward exchange because we had a lot more time uh, before closing. So that was... Uh, that was, was a concern in the beginning, but it turned out to be sort of a, um, a lucky streak in a way. I think it was a good good strategy. Yes, mm -hmm. yes, most definitely. But you did take, I mean, a little bit of a risk. Uh, there's always a risk with everything. Yeah. I mean, walk outside and you never okay. know what's going to happen. Right, right, right. <laughs> I love that you said that. I absolutely love that you said that. Yeah, I was just thinking with new construction, closing escrow is not always as predictable as you think it might it's not, be it's and not it's not and uh so if you are doing new construction you know check out who you're working with what their what their history is understand who you're working with because again a lot of people are involved in 
the process in a way, yeah, from the details to you know the transactions, and in our case, actually the creation of the property itself. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, no kidding. That added another layer, you know, and it's um, it's not like. Okay, so you made a mistake, for instance, going back to the tax analogy with with business taxes. If I make a mistake on my taxes, we can re reapply, you know, we can change those returns, we can reapply them. We might pay a little bit of a penalty, but we're talking a little bit of a penalty. You're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars on a lot of these 1031 exchanges, right? Yeah, I or mean, more. <laughs> yeah. If you're a big investor. Yeah, I can, and I'm not trying to scare people from 1031 exchanges because I, I think they're awesome, yeah. but I do think you have to find a professional to walk yep. you through that ahead of time. Absolutely. Wai Ming, I called you recently because I had um, some wonderful new clients that have multiple properties. They're now, they've had a wonderful um a wonderful life with grown children now with fantastic careers that they've retired from they um were working and living out of out of california and but their children are now in california and so they have multiple investment properties that they're now starting to sell and do do various things with and I mean, these are people that are experienced real estate investors, but I called Wai Ming because they were out of the country when one of their properties closed escrow, and they didn't inform anyone that this was needing to be a 1031 exchange. Now, I say they didn't inform anyone. I wasn't involved in the transaction, and maybe they did inform someone, but they um, they came to me and said, isn't there something we can do? Isn't there some way that we can work with this, change this, reverse this? And your answer was? Unfortunately, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was really. Um, well, I mean, what can go wrong? What have you seen go wrong? Uh, not being prepared. That's probably, I know it's a little more generic, very general, but yeah. we, we, ha- we do get a lot of clients who, who think, oh, you know, well, we'll just have to buy something. That's it. And they'll end up selling their property and then they'll start looking. They're, they're not like Paul where um, they may be looking for the property first, having some sort of idea or very good idea of what they want and then selling. Yeah. Because by then you, you have all the pieces to the puzzle. But if you're just going to sell it and hope you're going to find something, well, you're you're saying you want to do the puzzle, but you don't know where the pieces are. So that that makes it a lot um, riskier that you have a failed exchange or you you're unable to buy something because you, you you're just not prepared. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about because we're we're talking about things that could go wrong and timing and details. Let's. T- Let's talk a little bit about timing. Can you kind of go over what what are the time frames? What do people need to be aware of? Yeah, absolutely. So from the close of escrow on the first property, um, whether or not you're selling or buying, you have 45 days to identify properties um, and a total of 180 days to close on any of the properties you have identified. Okay, so I decide I'm going to sell my property and... 
I find a buyer and I enter a contract. Mm -hmm. I don't close escrow yet. I just enter a contract. Mm -hmm. Now I have 45 days. No, no, it's actually from the close of escrow. So that's actually something that a lot of agents should probably consider when helping their clients is, um, you know, when you're looking at offers, how much time is the buyer looking for? You know, typically we see 30 day escrows, but it's not uncommon to see 40, 45 days. So this actually gives your client a little more time to uh, potentially look for properties. And um, so that's that's so if it's a 30 day escrow, you've got now 75 days to look for or to identify Before you identify, identify yeah. a property. And and if your agent wrote into the agreement that the property, the close of escrow is subject to the the seller finding a 1031 property, then you may even have more time than that. Yeah. yeah so absolutely. these are these are ways you can have you can be protected on the other side a little bit. Okay. So forty five days to identify, and then you need to close escrow within within one hundred eighty days, and. Uh, the, the 45 days is actually within the 180 where, you know, a lot of people get confused. They uh, think I get 45 and, and then, then 180. 180. No, unfortunately not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. So basically you have six months. Give or take. Yeah. Six months after. Oh, right. Because that all works. months don't have 30 yeah. days. <laughs> That's see, that's one of those details, right? That you could get hung up on. Yeah. You know, Kim, since you did kind of mention reporting taxes and uh, this question kind of comes up when it's actually getting closer to that. Um, a lot of clients know that you have 180 days to complete your transaction, but what happens if your 180 days uh, falls beyond April 15th? You know, when you're supposed to report your taxes, oh. but you haven't completed your exchange yet. Yeah. You know, how, how do I prepare? Well, short answer is extension on your tax returns. Okay. Um, you do have to get the extension because in order for you to kind of get credited and um, for your exchange, you have to report that on your tax returns. Otherwise, Uncle Sam thinks you owe them tax money. So, uh, yeah, uh, extension. Okay, so there's, I mean, this is super important stuff. So not only are you needing, you've got all these players. I mean, you've got to get your real estate agent on board. You've got to get your title company on board. You got to work closely with your your exchange company, and um, you need to to get your CPA involved as well, right? I mean, that's just huge. Fortunately, you live with your CPA, so that worked out. <laughs> and we also did consult another one. So, um, so yeah, we're, you know, checking, checking twice. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, these, these are, this is such a big deal. It's, you know, I, I think, um, nothing is for free in this world. You're still kind of working for it, right? So you've got this really great opportunity to build wealth and exchange property, but um, you've got to be smart and, and do your homework for sure, right? So we talked about the time frame about it. I mean, just for um, just for the record, what, what was your most complicated 1031 exchange that you did, Wyming? I want to hear. Uh, this is I- the juicy stuff. um, One of the most complicated. Um, This is, 
I, I'm not saying this about everybody, but you know, some people probably don't always get along with family. Oh, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> y- yeah, and, and so the, the most complicated. Well, just just kind of a little backtrack a little bit for any 1031 exchange, the taxpayer who sells has to be the taxpayer who buys. So if, you know, Kim, you own a real piece of real estate and you sold it, you're the one buying. But um, in this situation, it happened to be, you know, 18 plus uh, family members in the same LLC. Oh, okay. And and so they were all partners in this, you know, they, they want to invest together. And, you know, you, you might be, uh, be really friendly with your family, you know, 10 years ago, but, you know, now... Oh, but wants- things have changed and there's money involved. Like, yeah, so... changes <laughs> <laughs> everyone. Yeah, and so, so you know, the, the real estate's worth a lot more now. There are some people who wants out, some people who wants in, some people who wants to do an exchange. Well, unfortunately, the only taxpayer is the LLC. The LLC owns it. How do you slice that up? Yeah, so can you separate? Can you change the LLC? Can you legally change the members of the LLC? You you can, but for the purpose of the 1031 exchange, what we typically advise clients is um, drop out of the LLC. Um, So dissolve the LLC so everybody who owns a slice of that is on title. So if all 18 members were on title... Um, and the property sold, well, now all 18 members have their own decisions to make. Do I want to pay my taxes? Do I want to do an exchange? Things like that. Mm, so but, in other words, they each get like a tenth of the property. Or 18th of or, the property. Oh, in yeah. this case, 18th. Yeah. 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 Okay. And, and okay. then okay. there's a technicality involved in this. So the LLC could have you know, owned the property 10, 20 plus years. But if each member goes on title, well, each member have not owned the property long enough. Mm-hmm. The LLC has. So in order for the members uh, who want to do an exchange to do an exchange, um, they need to own that property for a year before selling it. But then there are some members who don't want to wait a year and want out right away. Now you're going to jeopardize your other family members exchange. And so... It, it, it was a big, um, big discussion within the family <laughs> on how to proceed. Wow, no kidding. And since timing is really critical, I'm sure that made it even more complicated. Added a little stress. Yeah, yeah, yeah to already bit. stress, right? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Put the fun back in dysfunctional, right? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Um, Paul, what... what what would you say now, like reflecting out now that you're closed? Of course, you haven't filed your taxes yet, but but now that you're closed, it feels a little more ah uh, because you know the timing worked out and all that. Lessons lessons learned along the way. Yeah, sure. Um, plan ahead, number one. That's what I would say um, before selling or buying anything. Uh, talk to experts, um, many. Yeah. <laughs> Um, make a strategy that can maybe be flexible. 
Okay. Like I said, uh, at one point we considered a reverse exchange, but in the end, the forward exchange worked out best. Yeah. Uh, it was it's certainly easier, more straightforward, uh, cost less, but a reverse exchange may actually be the appropriate mechanism uh, for some people, and they do work. Um, so, again, make a strategy that can be flexible because timing is everything, and yeah. you may have to be able to adjust to that. Um, protect your investment. That was my number one lesson learned. It was our goal. Um, I had some friends after uh, close to the end there tell me they sold their properties, um, you know, their investment property, yeah. and then I think they thought about a 1031 exchange, but they just didn't have time. I think that's typical to find a replacement property. And then they're telling me about the big tax bill that they're crying over at the moment. Yeah. Um, so, again, plan ahead. Um, I think it can all work well, but it takes work. It does take work. It really does. It really, really does. And I like that idea of be flexible, like have an A plan, a B plan, and a C plan. Yeah. You can always tell, um, working with clients that are doing 1031, who's organized and who's not. And um, I think that organization, if you're not, like, that's not everybody's thing, right? Not everyone is organized. Solicit some help to to, uh, get yourself some support of organization on it if that's not your if that's not your best yeah. asset as an individual, right. right? I mean, it's definitely not like you're just going down to the store and getting a gallon of milk. Yeah. So you've really got to think about, you know, what you're going to do. That said, it's not really, really that complicated. It just, it, it, again, timing and crossing your T's and dotting your I's. Yeah. And that yeah. sort of thing. Um, and the details. See, yeah. it's just like business taxes. They, once I... Got that all down and understood it and felt coming. Well, I wouldn't say that, but at least I, you know, there is a there's a rhythm, yeah, Yeah. and there's there's there is a way to do it all that it doesn't feel like ah the IRS, Um, yeah. So okay, well, um, time always goes so short on these podcasts, and we're sort of getting to um, the end here. But Ming, do you have any final thoughts? Maybe a favorite customer story about building wealth or what do you got oh one that really stands out to me and i i think he's still ongoing to be honest with you um he he sold a property uh up in sacramento area and um he he was getting a a good cash flow Uh, but he leveraged that property into more than 50 properties what out, out of state so again exchanges allow you to go out of state so he he sort of did a little bit of a reverse for um somebody who's um looking sort of more retirement passive income yeah a lot of my clients will sell a lot of property buy something bigger and easier to manage but for him he that wasn't his goal. His goal was maximize cash flow. And I believe he was just above five multiplying his passive income that he was getting from that one property in Sacramento to more than five times. 
Wow. Um, and I, I don't even know if I can, I, I, I won't say the figure, but it was very close to a seven figure passive income uh, from, from all the properties he ended up buying combined. That is a very, very cool story. Very cool. I, I recently um, listened to a podcast, actually, Carla Higgins has a wonderful podcast called You Own It, and she has a guest speaker who talks about his, um, I mean, he went from having nothing, the bottom of the barrel, failing failing one career after another to um, he's doing very, very well, but he that was his whole business strategy was... 1031 exchanges and um, multiple cash flow properties and you know really just kind of sniffing those out whether no matter what state it's in it there were no boundaries particularly with his investments um he really just it was a full-time business for him so that's that is super cool well i want to thank you both for being here um and uh we will make sure to have in the show notes um, well, I mean, your asset exchange company information that people can get more really valuable information if they're interested in doing a 1031 exchange. But thank you very much and um, for being on Real 510 and look forward to the next time. Oh, thank you for having us. Thank you. Today's show was sponsored by Minimo. Minimo is Jack London's independent, woman-owned wine shop and wine bar, specializing in small production, natural wines, and ciders. This hits home for my heart. More than a wine shop, Minimo is a gathering spot, offering a unique selection of natural wines by the glass with focused wine tastings every Wednesday evening and all day on Saturday. If you haven't been to Minimo, you are missing something special. Erin and her team are extremely knowledgeable, approachable, and can magically pick you the perfect bottle. Thanks for listening today, and please check us out on Real 510 on iTunes. To find out even more, visit our website, kimcolerealestate.com. We're a boutique real estate brokerage, women-owned and team-enacted with a focus on urban luxury housing. We are located in Oakland's Jack London Square, serving Oakland and the greater Bay Area.